0: Hello and welcome to Horror Culture, our show the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash-to-pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And welcome back. Welcome back to Blumhouse. Part two. Part two. Back in the habit. <laughs> um, yeah, so, as anyone who's listened to our first part, I mean, I hope you have, it'd be weird if you listening to <laughs> Yeah. This. Anyone who's listened to our first part will know we were going a little longer than uh, than we expected. Podbean only allows us to record up to 90 minutes. And um, we've got a shitload to get through left. So yeah, we're gonna continue with part two. So welcome to side B of Blumhouse. Yeah, it's
1: not like us to be long-winded, is it?
0: <laughs> Just as a recap, in case you are strange and only listen to part two, in part one we discussed how they were founded in 2000. They make low-budget films to get uh, creative directors out there, give them their freedom. Their rule is $5 million budget for an original film. And they, st- they really launched themselves with Paranormal Activity and went on to release Insidious, Sinister, The Purge, Whiplash, Ouija, Oculus, Unfriended, The Visit and The Gift. All of which are discussed in part one. So again, if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to part one. No, seriously, don't listen to part two before
1: part one. <laughs> if, if, if you're starting with part two, pause now, go back. Listen to it. Yes, okay? we'll, we'll patiently wait for you. Yes, we'll still be here. I don't want to see that our <laughs> part two's had like part two, loads two of streams. has had loads of streams, and part
0: one has had none. <laughs> <laughs> so we left uh, with a rant on the gift. <laughs> yeah, we
1: did. Yeah, um,
0: uh, still riled up. Uh, you may get spoilers in this episode, like you did in part one, uh, and we are still in twenty fifteen, and we are discussing creep. So. Brief discussion about Creep. I haven't got any trivia down about it. I only wanted to mention it sort of like an honourable mention because I really enjoy Creep. I think it's a, a really effective found footage film. It uh, has its moments. It's not the fastest paced film it in the world. It is a slow burn. burn but it, it's effective. Like, you know, when, it, when you realise what's going on, it's quite intense. Yeah. It's a film that relies
1: on its performances yes. very much. Yeah. And forgive me, I, kind of, I don't know his name. Uh, the guy who plays the creep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he does a very great performance. Yeah. He's very good in it. The and other
0: guy's behind the camera the whole time. So, really, yeah, it's entirely his film. It
1: is. And it's integral to the success of the film. Yeah. That he was very good. So, Ooh.
0: and it is a very good film. I the, would recommend The, the it. scene where he's he standing in front of the door with the wolf mask, it, it gives me shivers every time I watch it. It's, it's so, so creepy. Such a horrible imagery. Yeah. Um, especially given the backstory you are given before that mm. point. And, and, you know, that's a, a film that uses a very, you know, sort of questionable pull-up point to further it along, but it doesn't feel as, eh, as The yeah, Gift exploitative, Yeah, exploited Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we all have films where, we've all watched films where, you know, someone's been molested somewhere or another or, you know... E- Sexual abuse is used in some way or another, but the gift just really. I, mean, I know we're going over old ground here, but it left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Really and I, I. There's a right way of doing yeah, it Yeah, and It, didn't do it, in it, the it right just felt way. like it's like, oh, what can we use as a plot twist? Oh, I know, rape. No, it's just no, 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 and that entire scene is just fucking horrible. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, creep. Yeah. So creep. Yeah, creep's fantastic. And I was going to
1: creep mention creep. is very
0: good. Yeah, we haven't seen it. Oh, yet. I haven't seen it yet. Um. I spoke to Luke about it. He said it's pretty much the same as the first one with a female going to his house instead of a male. Okay. Um, I, I want to watch it. And there's a Creep free coming out as well. Um, oh, wow. Also, honourable mention, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. So this okay. was made for $100,000. Okay. And it grossed $42.9 million at the box office and was released by Warner Brothers with Blumhouse. Okay. It spawned one sequel. What do you think it is? I think it's
1: probably one of the worst films I've ever seen. <laughs> and is it The Gallows? It's the Gallows. I fucking hated The Gallows. I thought it was shit. I thought it was so fucking cliched. Boring. It's hard to fucking see anything. I thought the story was stupid. I thought the acting was terrible. I
0: really just thought it was... Bottom of the barrel Crap <laughs> Fun fact I didn't need to write this down Because it's so memorable I just remember It in my head uh, When this was released I was very hyped to see it At the cinema Because There was a trailer That Warner Brothers released Where it was like Freddy Had his glove Jason Had his machete Charlie Has his noose oh, <laughs> They tried to make him to all those other films. They tried to make him Into this big Fucking horror villain Fucking
1: shit <laughs> awful awful
0: speaking of making into a big new horror villain it's a very good job of doing a part two because we have a discussion to have at the end of this episode about fright fest 2020 as we said we would we promised we would and we're gonna discuss it yeah let's get through blomhouse first yeah okay so the gallows your favorite film of all time yeah Mm. Gallows Act 2 We haven't seen it No I refuse to
1: <laughs> Why would I Why would I put myself through it We watch a lot of shit For this podcast But I would never Deliberately go out of my way
0: To watch something That I know Is going to be true. It reminds awful. me Of that time When we went to watch Secret Santa and we were at home <laughs> It was ten minutes And we are like We don't have to do
1: this No <laughs> We're only on this earth for a a certain amount of time. We don't know how long that's going to be. Why the fuck would I waste it watching The Gallows Part
0: 2? Well, it depends if anyone requests it for a podcast episode. I don't give two shits. I ain't watching it. Okay, so no
1: one requests The Gallows Act 2. Do not. Do it. (laughs) I ain't watching it if you do. It'll be a boring fucking episode. do it for Mazza's week.
0: no, I actually like Maz. <laughs> so 2016, uh, Blumhouse released the remake of Martyrs, which is fucking miserable. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, the, the original Martyrs is miserable. We weren't the biggest fans, but I think it's meant to be. Yeah. It's meant to be a really depressing film, but this... Was miserable, but it also felt like they were trying to stylize it and more Americanize the film, making it to a, a like a, a proper modern horror film. It just didn't work. Is this didn't the one I haven't seen all. it? Is this the one with the woman from Mulholland Drive? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've tried to forget about it, but anyway, Martyrs, <sighs> Hush, The Darkness, Purge Election Year, and Ouija Origin of Evil, which we discussed in part one. So, The Darkness again. I haven't done a segment on it, but. The Darkness is also fucking miserable. Two of the most miserable films I've seen in my life were released that year. What do you mean by miserable? As in like, bad? Or just like just really depressing? Really damp. You know like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake? It's yeah. really damp and bleak and Duh. not in a stylish way. Like, uh, let me think of something bleak. The Elephant Man. Yeah. The Elephant Man. Uh, razorhead. You know, David Lynch's films can be bleak at times. Um, Something like... Uh, something that, you know, isn't... Very nice, um, like I don't know, name it something,
1: but like just that. just in, in, in so a sad dark. way, yeah. Like,
0: rather than,
1: um, so, so you, you get bleak films like Cannibal Holocaust, is very bleak. Uh, Snake film. of June,
0: Snake of June is my perfect example. The Supermoto yeah. film, yeah, it's very damp and bleak, and it's one of my favorite films. There's a way of doing it right, mm. there's a way of doing it right. These two films don't do that. It is just depressing to sit through. The Darkness has a terrible portrayal of autism. Uh, it, it's it's honestly insulting. Oh. And Kevin Bacon shits in it as well. And it's just your typical haunted house. Blah blah blah. They find a stone. They take it home. They've got a ghost. Whatever. It's fucking bullshit. That's why it's in my top five worst. It, it's it's terrible. I'd never. I wouldn't make you sit seen, through it.
1: No.
0: So. The best film they released that year. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Hush.
1: I really liked Hush. Mike Flanagan is a genius. Yeah, Mike Flanagan is actually released some of the better of mm. the middle ground of yeah. Blumhouse. Um I don't think he's in my top or, or the bottom, so, he's, you know. But, he, but he's... he's
0: Ah, uh, trusting. You know worthy. he's a horror fan Yes You know he's a horror Look at Doctor Sleep He did a fantastic job Yeah. Doctor
1: Sleep You know you're going to get At least a decent yeah. film Yeah um, And Hush was a really decent film um, I loved um, the main character Yeah Kate girl In it She was very good um, Playing a, a deaf and mute woman mm. um, I thought the killer in it Was very creepy Yeah He did a very good job Yeah Um, certain moments I was a bit, uh, I I don't like films where I'm shouting at the screen, um, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) You know, I I can forgive in a slasher film, but sometimes, you know, when it's a very singular film, when you've got one protagonist, one antagonist... I don't want to constantly shout at the protagonist, no, don't do that,
0: go there, no, well, no, What's interesting about that is the fact that they tried to add as much realism to this as possible because uh, Kate Segal is Mike Flanagan's wife. Mm. She co-wrote the film and they uh, did some role-playing because they, they came up with the idea of this Excuse film me. over dinner Wow! and they did some role-playing with the Kinky. plot to see how she would actually react and apparently this is how she would actually react in the situation. Oh. Well, she should have grabbed the knife. <laughs> She does eventually. <laughs> She's does eventually. But she is a very strong female
1: character. Yeah, she is. It's oh, so good. I would have liked her to be just maybe a little more badass. But that's just personal preference. Mm. That's really just personal preference. Um, because maybe in reality, she wouldn't have been a badass. So yeah. if they, they're going for realism, yeah. then I completely understand that. I would have maybe <clears throat> liked a little more um, her going batshit crazy yeah. on him. <laughs>
0: And the bad guy's played by John Gallagher Jr. And, and like you said, another great performance because he takes his mask off. His mask is quite creepy as it is. Um, but he takes his mask off quite early on. But it's still just as scary because it has a sort of human side to him. Yeah. Um, and the reason he takes it off is quite scary. Yeah. Because yeah.
1: she she essentially says to him, or, or um, writes on a, a lipstick on, yeah. the, on the window because she's a mute... Um, she essentially says to him I haven't seen your face mm. Just leave now You know And le- let it be You know Yeah Just leave it be And he just takes the mask off And he's like Well I don't give a shit mm. You know I'm here to kill you tonight yeah. So it doesn't matter If you've seen me or not
0: And that's what makes it more scary There's not really a reason behind it No That he, he is a just never given Yeah He's just a madman Like ha- Halloween He's just a madman Yeah That has gone to this place And he's there to kill her Yeah you know, it's just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so scary. Um, this is the first Blumhouse Netflix original film. Okay. Uh, it's one of the better Netflix originals, because yeah. yeah. uh, you get some trash with it. And,
1: and her hand, handicap mm. um, is treated with respect. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, yeah it, it it's what differentiates it between other home invasion mm. films. I do understand that, and it it is used as a plot point um, that the actress isn't actually deaf and Mm. and mute in real life, but it does it correctly. Yeah, yeah. It's respectful um, rather than exploitative. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It it never laughs at her or Mm. uh, or does it wrong. I I think they really did some research into.
0: They they definitely did. It contains less than fifteen minutes of dialogue. Yeah. So that's over seventy minutes of dialogue free. Yeah. in, In. moments in the film yeah uh, William Friedkin's a big fan of this uh, as I mentioned earlier so is Stephen King I mean, yeah. they've both recommended it to uh, for everyone to watch yeah yeah, it is a good film I would I would recommend watching it yeah it's rare that Slasher and Home Invasion could be mixed so well
1: yeah yeah less so Slasher I mean mm. you haven't got too Well, I mean he's, he kills everyone is. who comes into contact with yeah essentially the yeah. but it, it's not you know big tits in the
0: woods no so moving on to 2017 what a year for Blumhouse. We get Split Get Out The Balko Experiment Birth of the Dragon which was made with WWE Um, I'm, I'm, I think it's a martial arts film. Is it? I never heard yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Happy Death Day Creep 2 and Amateurville The Awakening. <laughs> oh lost at the end there. <laughs> now, I, I'm just saying the big names here they, they, they've released loads of smaller films as well um, you know there are there a main list online list in every film they've released but th- there's some years where they've released so much that I, I could spend 10 minutes telling you everything they've released um, but these are the main standouts yeah. for good or bad reasons starting with bad let's talk about Evansville The Awakening oh my god <laughs> poor Jennifer Jason Lee.
1: is it what When? What year did Hateful Eight come out um so Hateful Eight. Oh. 2015, I want to say. Well, this was released in 2017, but when yeah. was it filmed, Gary? So, the backstory for this one,
0: sense. this was, the idea came about after Paranormal Activity. So, you're talking like between 2009 and 2011. They said, we're going to make Amdeville The Lost Tapes, it's going to be a found footage film, oh. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. There's also the same time when they were going to make a Friday the 13th found footage film as well. And, oh. you know, yeah, it was that, that era where everything was found footage. They did make an Amityville found footage film. That's a story for a different day. Oh. It's not great. Um, then they went to the idea of Amityville The Awakening. Uh, a meta, meta version of Amityville. Not necessarily a sequel, But, you know, it acknowledges the films exist and a plot about a uh, comatose guy, (coughs) insidious, a a comatose guy and his family moving into the little house, blah, 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 possession. So they filmed this, they they filmed it in 2014. They had, between uh, 2012 and 2017, they had seven, seven failed release dates. (laughs) And eventually... Should have been eight. Eventually... They released this for free on Google Play in 2017 for a very limited theatrical release. It it's still a rip off. It, Yeah, it was made on a $7.7 million budget. <clears throat> really. <sighs> it made $8.4 million worldwide, but its domestic was like $700. Yeah. <laughs> Written and directed by Frank Calphoon, who you will be surprised to find out, is the director of the Fantastic Maniac remake. Oh. How the fuck... Did he go from that to this? Wow, yeah. It stars Jennifer Jason Lee, Bella Thorne, McKenna Grace, and Cameron Monaghan. All big names. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and at the time as well. Yeah. I mean, Bella Thorne was a Disney star. But well, this would have
0: been McKenna Grace's debut. Uh, she's gone on to be in Captain Marvel. Okay. And, and quite a few. But the others? The others, yeah. Obviously, Jennifer Jason Lee's a massive name.
1: Okay,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um... It, it it took five years to complete. So Cameron Monaghan's body tone changes throughout the final scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's God. also it's... the final film of the Weinstein's. Oh, as if you didn't need any more reasons to hate. Exactly,
1: it. exactly. That's uh, th- okay. Let me get into this. Jennifer Jason Leigh forgot how to act. Fantastic <laughs> actress. Look at this, and then watch Hateful Eight. And see what she's capable of because she
0: ain't very good in this. She deserves better. It's ridiculous. Again, we're, we're going to go into spoiler territory, but the point of this film is that Jennifer Jason Lee moves her family into the Awatul House with the hope that her son will get possessed so he can come back to life out of his coma. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and Spoiler alert, he
1: does. <laughs> Well, he does. And it looks shit.
0: And the thing is, you're not meant to think that she's suspicious, but from the moment she's on screen, she looks so suspicious. She's obsessed with her comatose son, to the point it's disturbing. (laughs) And Bella 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 Thorne is terrible in this film. It's honestly like watching American Conjuring. And again,
1: add it to the tally. (laughs) They live in the fucking house. This counts as a new episode. On. This counts this a, a new episode. Add it to your tally. You live in this house. Turn on the fucking light. You're giving your son drugs through <laughs> a needle. Turn on the fucking light so you can see what you're doing. What the fuck? <laughs> Bella Fawn is terrible.
0: And she also plays a goffy girl. Okay, you're not gonna do the thing you normally do, you know, like beautiful actress, she's a fucking piece of shit. She looked she didn't look very good in this film. It wasn't
1: a flattering look <laughs> oh for her. my god. Well it wasn't a flattering look for her, but she she played a goth girl, basically. Black lipstick, wore nothing but black, leather jacket. Pixies poster. Or Pixies Poster. Fairy lights. Her family are from Amityville. They've moved there, but Jennifer Jason Lee's family are there. Yeah, Yeah, that's the idea. This girl had no idea about the history of the Amityville Horror. (laughs) Absolutely no idea. No idea that there were films and a book (laughs) and murders there. No idea. This goth girl. That's so unbelievable that she would be completely unaware of this. And she she has to go to her mother, Jennifer Jason Leigh, and say, why didn't you tell me that this was the house where (laughs) people were murdered? Oh, I was going to tell you. (laughs) Fucking hell, mate. (laughs) One of her friends gives her... So she... (laughs) Okay. So she lives in the Amityville house. And one of her friends tries to give her as a gift the Amityville Horror, the Margot Kidder, uh, James (laughs) Brolin film. (laughs) <laughs>
0: oh, it's 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 hilarious at points. It, it's so stupid. Yeah, it it really is. And a meta Hammer film could have been great. It could have really worked. Like, imagine if this was a bunch of people going in there like, oh, we know this film exists and everything. Oh, and then like they all get killed off by someone possessed. It's yeah. done a thousand times before, but
1: that would have been so much better than this. And this is completely against type for me. Completely out of what I would usually say. It could have worked as a found footage film. Yeah. After of the lost tapes could have been better. Yeah. Um, but this whole stupid story about this woman trying to bring her son back by being possessed uh, is fucking stupid. And the, the, the problem is... And he ends up killing her.
0: The problem <laughs> of is... Of <laughs> course. The problem is, like we were saying with Hush, it, it dealt with uh, disability... Really, with really sensitive care and everything, Um, this practically laughs in the face of whatever the fuck he was suffering from.
1: They could have had some really touching moments of a mother having to deal with her son in a
0: comatose state and not being able to let go. Yeah. Do you know why it doesn't? Because of Cameron Monaghan's stupid fucking face. (laughs) Like, oh my God, the facial expressions he pulls in this film, it's impossible to take it seriously. It honestly... He looks like someone farted and he doesn't know who it was. It, it, you shouldn't be laughing at something like this, but it's fucking hilarious. There is a scene where he asks his sister to kill him. It's meant to be this really emotional moment. And he pops up and he's like, you're the one who's going to fucking die. And it looks so fucking dumb. It does. And when he goes around and all of a sudden he's gone from being just bones... To be in this fucking ripped big muscly guy, <laughs> yeah. it looks so funny. Yeah. It's, it's awful. It's, it's so really so bad. bad. It just shouldn't have been released. I don't know how seven point seven million was spent on this. Yeah, I really don't. And the Kometas thing is it's insidious. It yeah. is insidious.
1: Yeah, really. yeah. yeah,
0: there's a scene where they they are in the amateurville House and they're watching the amateurville Horror, and uh, you might not expect it, but all the lights go off. <gasps> <laughs> it's like every time there's a bit of lighting. They're like, shit, let's turn the lights back off so no one can see what's going on. But it's
1: so (laughs) hard to see then. It was a film that was very difficult to to see what was going on at points. And I hate that. I love that it's the
0: final film for the Weinsteins. Yes. A piece of shit film for a piece of shit producer. (laughs) Uh. Next. (laughs) So moving on. Again, what's insane is that this came out the same year. I think this is what people were saying that they're looking forward to us discussing is... The comparisons between the highs and lows of Blumhouse.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and, and that's very much one of the lowest lows. And in the same year, we had Split.
1: Yeah.
0: Split. 2017, made it on a $9 million budget, grossed over $278 million at the box office, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, again, starring James McAvoy, Anya Taylor Joy, and Betty Buckley. So for me, this is the film that brought M Night Shyamalan back. Yeah, really back. Yeah, this is like, this, this is, is like his sixth sense of the twenty ten. This is a great yeah. film.
1: Yeah, and it's it's funny because we actually we didn't like Unbreakable, which this is a kind so that's of five sequel. This to. is
0: a secret sequel to Unbreakable. I hadn't seen Unbreakable before I watched it, and I sat in the cinema and. I literally heard people. This is just a small screen in, uh You know, I don't think it's even released tonight. But I heard people around me actually gasping at the uh, the end scene with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Because they knew what it was. Uh, I mean, I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I don't get it. Um, but then, obviously, it's a you know a sequel to Unbreakable. Unbreakable, we didn't enjoy, um, and sadly, we didn't enjoy Glass. So they brought it full circle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think we're in the minority when it comes to Unbreakable, but I just found it all quite boring, really. Yeah, yeah it, it was very boring. I just Yeah, I just didn't think it really went anywhere quick enough. Mm. Um, but Split did go somewhere, yeah. and it did go quick enough. Yeah. And again, this is a film that is completely reliant on one performance. Yeah. And um, James McAvoy does a fantastic job. He really shows really off. Really, really shows off what he can do here. Yeah, really fantastic. And it's weird because I, I hadn't really seen any of the X Men films, so I knew James McAvoy from Shameless because mm. I used to love watching the, the British Shameless uh, back in the day, and I was like, oh, that's a bit of a weird choice um, for Split, you know. And then I saw him, and I was like, oh. And then I watched the film and, like, oh, Jesus, actually, yeah. he does really good.
0: It was inspired by um, Billy Milligan, um, who's a real real life case of multiple personality disorder uh, and was uh, arrested on the account of three rapes and uh, various crimes. And he's yeah. quite a prolific um, person. It recently. Yeah, it recently gained some controversy.
1: Yeah, people looking at it in hindsight um and thinking the depiction of his mental um handicap is probably not very pc and i agree to a certain uh, to extent, a certain extent i mean but if you're basing this on a real life mm. character uh, then you can't really deny that uh, maybe you should have said that a little more mm. maybe, maybe been a little more specific with it yeah. but if you're basing something on a real-life character, a a real-life person, excuse Mm. me, then the the similarities kind of tell you that, you know, um, it gives it a realism. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know? And not every personality is bad. No, no. I mean, one one of them is really likeable, but... And do you know what? Essentially, he's not... Technically, a bad once you get to Glass, yeah he's not really a bad character. No, I mean I don't like Glass, but it still it makes some sense with that. But you know him and Anya Taylor Joy's character; they are both victims of abuse. Hmm. Anya Taylor Joy uses her fears and the things that affected her from her abuse to become a powerful character, which is really well written for a female lead in a modern horror film. Um, But, you know, it also explains the way, you know, how he got the multiple personality disorder. And it looks into it. It really delves into it in the film in detail, doesn't it? With Betty Buckley's character. Yeah. Um, But I don't think it's entirely bad representation. No, no. It's only really when he gets to, I mean, obviously... The character that kidnaps the the girls and the character that becomes the beast. That's when you really get the whole okay. They're using him as a villain whilst using his you know, yeah. Disorder. And I
1: think that was. I think the issue was it was insinuating that people who have multiple personality mm. disorders are always going to have good and bad and potentially dangerous. Mm. When that's not always the case. Yeah. When uh, the majority of people who do have multiple personalities kind of have positive yeah or, or rather than violent mm. or aggressive um it, it may be quite a sad personality or or a depressed personality mm. and and that's they're more of a danger to maybe themselves at times yeah. I, I'm, I'm not an expert so so don't think that I'm you know I am um but from what I gather a lot of the issue was um, insinuating that. People with multiple personalities are a danger to the mm. people around them. When that's not really the case.
0: Yeah, I mean it's, it's an interesting thing to look into. I don't think it should be cancelled. I, I really don't. No. I think that, that's a bit too extreme. Yeah. Because, um, like I said, you know, it's not like he's completely without his good sides. Exactly. You know, and it is based on a real life criminal. So. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So, again, great film. I'm very surprised James McAvoy didn't get Oscar recognition. I don't think you get Oscar recognition for films like this. But you know what you do get Oscar recognition for? What? Get Out. Because that is next to discuss. So, Get Out uh, was made on a $4.5 million budget, made over $272 million at the box office, written and directed by Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Betty Gabriel and Catherine Keener, to name a few. And this is one of the most important horror films of the last knows how long yeah it this, really is
1: this is a fantastic film and it was deserving of oscar recognition because it's so well written so well acted it really it's a horror film that really says something and you know horror i think horror more than any other genre is susceptible to give political commentary or to really give out yeah. a message, because you, because horror is so broad. Mm. And, you know, <laughs> this is going to sound maybe a little silly or a little um, pessimistic, but there are so many horrors in real life yeah. that the horror genre can take from. Yeah. And then you can, you can have horror, um, sci-fi, horror, comedy horror um you know horror thrillers or dramas or romantic horror you, you can bring all that together and really say something and really do something because there are fantastical parts of horror mm. you know get out deals with a concept that isn't really real mm. you know it's not but the themes on show yeah
0: are so real I think that's really demonstrating a lot during the final scene. Uh, and this was mentioned on a documentary we watched called uh, Horror Noir. Uh, yes, yeah. that, was, that was fantastic on Shudder.
1: And it deals with, um, you know, African-American people in, in horror. Yeah. Um, I think as that's they, changed through the years. Yeah.
0: Uh, as they mentioned on there, and I believe Attack of the Queer Wolf mentioned this when they covered this film, that final scene where he's finally got away from everything that's gone on... Um, and the police car turns up. Even sitting in the cinema as a white guy, I was like, "Shit!" Yeah. It's like you have that immediate feeling of dread when that police car turns up at the end. Mm-hmm. And that really is a great demonstration of how this film gets its themes across in. in just really subtle ways as well. I mean, a lot of it is very out there in your face, but there's also these subtle moments that really resonate to people who aren't, you know, African American as well. It it it, it reaches a wide audience. You can anyone can watch this film and still get it. Yeah. You know. I mean, but then you imagine, you know, how how this must feel for an African American audience who don't often get seen in in horror films. Uh, prior to this, mm-hmm. they don't always get seen and. To finally have a film where there's an African-American protagonist and, you know, dealing with these heavy themes and everything, but still making such a fun film out of it, that is what, you know, that is what white audiences have been getting for decades, for for various things, Mm. Um, you know, we, it's always a, there's always you're never short of a film a horror film with a white lead are you but then for this to come out and be so powerful and get the recognition it did it, it really is something special yeah and what makes that last scene so special is the hope it provides when you realise it's his, uh, his friend one of the best characters in the film um, you know it, it adds such a great ending to it as well so you don't leave the film feeling negative either it's it's so fun it's just such a great film so well made uh, so well written but the original ending was him getting uh, locked, up.
1: Him yeah. locked up. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I'm th- glad th- they changed it. I really am. I, I am. I, I think the-, the connotations are there. and Which was why we were all sort of sort of sat up and been like, oh shit. Remember yeah. When the police car's there. And I think that works as mm. well. And I- I'm i glad that it had a happy ending. Mm. Um, you know, maybe for my sensibilities. Um, but... I think it needed one yeah. to, to show a bit of um, optimism mm-hmm. and, and sort of hopefulness.
0: And it's actually quite a funny film. It is. It's, it's a horror comedy. It is. The, it's that, actually quite a funny film. The interesting thing is, this is nominated for Best Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes.
1: Yeah. So it, it doesn't... It has its themes and it has its... Um, political, you know, opinions and Mm. and statements and all that business. But it doesn't slap you around the face constantly with them. No. It's because at the end of the day, Jordan Peele wanted to make an entertaining film and that's what it is. And then you can really look into it. I love a film that you can sit afterwards and just digest. Yeah. Digest yeah. that film and think. What well, What was the filmmaker trying to say? What was the filmmaker trying to do? Mm. You know, where is he coming from? Him or her? My mm. apologies. Where are they coming from? And what are they? You know, what can I get from this? Yeah. What can I gather
0: from? And it's this? it's like whiplash. You, know, you don't get that with Amityville: The Awakening. No, no. You know, no. It's like whiplash in a way that <clears throat> you explain this premise to someone. It's essentially meet the parents of horror. Yeah, yeah. And then you watch the film and you realise shit, this is so much more than that. And I think, you know, as much as this has been so positively received critically with audiences and such, you still get your people uh that, you know, dislike Jordan Peele, this film's racist, and it's those people, those fucking gammons on the internet, that make you realise why this film is so important to be released in modern day. Yeah, why it's, it's important for it to be out there it, it's because it you know, let's face it it triggered some it, racists
1: yeah it, it's the message of the film itself yeah but it's also the fact that it is representation you know you not every horror film by an african-american has to have a political message necessarily no i, I don't think no you know but they just need that representation you know, you want to see yourself on the screen it's why we do an lgbt podcast yeah and why we watch a lot of lgbt films mm. because we want to see ourselves on that screen and we want to see our culture on that screen it's about representation and just somebody going to Jordan and peel and saying here's money make this film yeah make this film with an african-american lead yeah and um i i' struggle pronouncing his surname uh, daniel daniel Kaluya. daniel kaluya yeah. it's a fantastic he's a fantastic yeah. actor really does a great job mm. in in this film and no one knew who he was no. before because he ne he would never have had a a lead role in a big film no, no. And look so, at what he's gone on to now. You exactly. Know? He was Oscar nominated yeah. for this role, yeah. deservedly so. And it, it's just about, and I'm glad Blumhouse are doing it. Um, it, is just being able to say, you are an African-American. Mm. We want to see what yeah. you can do, you know? And that's the representation that hasn't been in cinema for a very long time. It's very, it, It's very modern, being mm. able to turn around and say, here is... $5 million for your mm. original screenplay. Yeah. Make us
0: a film. And by God, they made a fucking good one. Yeah. And this is this is why I, I love lumhouse so much, because as much as they release shit like Hands for the Awakening and The Gallows and The Gift, they do stuff like this, which is, as I mentioned in part one, so important for modern cinema. So, so, so important for modern cinema. Yeah. Um, and now we're getting to some African-American-led... Yeah. You know, horror films, Antebellum, Candyman. I mean, it's not Blumhouse. It's produced by Jason Blum, but Mm. it's technically not Blumhouse, but Us. Jordan Peele's second film. I prefer it to get out. It's a masterpiece. It's so good. So, so, so good. Um, You know, and and then you even got lots of, even beyond horror, African-American cinema as a whole has really... It's really had, uh, I mean, I want to say a relaunch, but it was never really massive in the first place. The representation was never there as much as it should have been. But now it's there all the time. You've got Black Panther. It's a superhero film with a predominantly African-American cast, including Daniel um, Kaluuya. Also Queen and Slim with the same actor.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Another fantastic film. Black Klansman, as we'll get onto a little later, also by Blumhouse. It's great. It really is great to see, at last. What I'd like to see is this uh, eventually becoming,
1: you know, um, African-American mm. leads in films that aren't about African-American... Co- yeah. to a yeah, certain yeah, yeah, extent, yeah. 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 It well, needs I, to be, you know... I mean, this is still I like... really want Idris Elba to be the next James Bond. Yeah.
0: That's what yeah. I want to this see. This is, is it's currently ga- groundbreaking because it's still quite fresh of Get Out. I mean, yeah. this was, you know, 2017... Um, but yeah, I want it to be normalized more to where you don't, where you look at it and you think, okay, cool, There's another film with yeah. an African American lead where we can see, yeah. you know, and that's the,
1: that's why these this actors this being taken and these directors yeah. getting these big blockbuster mm. films. Yeah, that's what I want to see yeah. now. That's what I really want to see yeah. because you know, Get Out is a fantastic film, really well received, Oscars, all that business, but it's not a blockbuster.
0: Mm. You
1: know, it's not. You know the Avengers,
0: I'd say it's a blockbuster horror film, yeah,
1: to a certain extent. But five million isn't the same as being given 30 million to make well, that's the a thing. big
0: summer film. This is made on 4.5, this is even less than five million. Yeah. And the things they've achieved in this film for that budget is great the cinematography. You know, it's, it is it's a masterclass in horror filmmaking. And Black
1: Panthers, I think, really helped that. Yeah. And I'd like yeah. to see that continue. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, I mean, uh, as we mentioned, Oscars, you know, this one original screenplay, nominated for Best Picture, Best Leading Actor, Best Director, it, that in itself is groundbreaking. Every time a, a horror... Gets nominated for Oscars. It's a milestone because it's not often it happens. Is no. it? Let's face it. No, and you can get some real. Like I said earlier, you can get some
1: really great, powerful horror films mm. with a very, gr- good message and very well made. Yeah, it does. Does happen.
0: Universal wanted a sequel, of course, because it made lots of money. Uh, but Jordan Peele said he would be open to it but only if it feels right and he wouldn't make it before that. No. Only if he felt he had the right idea for it and it didn't feel forced. Yeah, you don't want to just rehash the first one. Yeah. He he became the first African-American director to earn more than 100 million in a debut. Nice. I can't believe it took it to 2017 to get to that point. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And he was, he was fairly established, not in horror. I believe mm. he was
1: quite established in comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And, and this stayed in the US top 10 for the first two months of release. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Get Out, it's a fantastic film, very important part to cinema, a very important film in cinema history and horror cinema. Uh, and uh, You know, as with any of the films we've said positive things about on this podcast, you know, check it out if you haven't seen it already. Uh, we haven't actually gone that far into spoiler territory for that one as well, so even better. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, next up, Happy Death Day. Uh, directed by Christopher Landon, written by Scott LaBelle, made on a $4.8 million budget, made over $125 million at the box office, starring Jessica Roth, uh, Ruby Moon, uh, I that's how you say her surname, and uh, Israel Brizad. Um, it has a cast full of people whose names I can't pronounce great. Um, I. This film has a really special place in my heart. I just I love it. I really, really, really love this film, but I love its sequel even more.
1: Yeah, um, I'm surprised that this film wasn't made earlier than it was.
0: Yes, you yeah. know
1: if somebody went into you know a producer's um, office and said, "I got this film, mm. Groundhog Day, but horror." Yeah, you're like, I'm sold. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm so surprised that this didn't come up before. Yeah. Um, but it has been made now and it was very good. Yeah. Very, very good. And
0: it doesn't need to be, it's a slasher film. It feels like a slasher film. Yeah. But it also feels like a comedy and it doesn't need to be over the top gory either. No, no,
1: because it, it, there's some very funny moments. Um, there's a great mystery to it as to, you know, very unpredictable. It's a whodunit. Yeah. Very unpredictable twist as well. Yeah. Um, very likeable lead. Yeah. Very, very likeable lead.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jessica Ruff is fantastic. Yeah. She, she's such a great actress. Um, her nude scene in this film uh, is a very interesting fact because it's filmed from the shoulders up, so technically she didn't need to be nude. But she decided to go fully nude for it, film it on an actual campus, but they said, that's fine, we'll do that, but we're only having female crew members there to film it. And and she said it felt really liberating. Um, oh. And it's quite an empowering fact. Um, I think it's great. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, might surprise you, but the costume, uh, the baby face costume, was designed by the same designer as Ghostface, Tony Gardner. Oh, wow. Uh, it's very Scream. This film is very, very Scream. You can tell Christopher Landon loves Scream. Yeah. I was also... With g- its humour. Getting Valentine from yeah, the mask yeah. as well.
1: It's a great mask. It's, it's very... Um, Post scream horror, yeah, as it well, is, yeah, for, for a, a modern audience, yeah, but it's very much you know, there's some cliches mm. in there, stereotypical, uh, snotty girl, you get an 80s dance scene, yes, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very the partying, yeah, all that business, um, that
0: very Jennifer's body esque, mean girls esque dialogue, uh, yeah. very sassy and. You can tell this was, you know, made by a gay man. Yeah, yeah. It's very much made for a gay audience, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean, a female, a female audience, a female audience. And yeah. A female audience yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: As well. the, the men definitely take a backseat. seat yeah. In this film, um, which is very
0: refreshing. Uh, yeah. And you know, as, as much as I, like, the first films like, yeah, and and the second one. Is it's just like listen to your favorite pop song over and over again. It's just that cheese is there, the camp is there. Yeah. But it's so enjoyable, and you can't get enough of it. It's so it good. does.
1: It does exactly what it needs to do. Like I said, it's a slasher film based around the concept of Groundhog yeah, Day. Yeah, it's bubblegum pop horror. It does exactly what it needs to do. Is it giving out a message? No. Is Is it completely groundbreaking? No.
0: Is it fun to watch?
1: How fucking yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know and. The second film, I've decided to mention now whilst we're talking about the first one. The second film doesn't give a shit how crazy it gets and I really respect that. It turns into a big elaborate sci-fi film and it fucking works. It, somehow it works so well to the point I prefer it over, over the first film. It's one of my top ten Blumhouse films. Um, it, it also contains a scene that made me cry. Actually like bawling. It, it's a fucking slasher film.
1: I see, I don't think that the sequel is really a slasher film. Yeah. I think it, it becomes full on comedy. Yeah,
0: but it's it's marked it's, it's leading on from a slasher film. But it has that scene in there and it, it just makes you realise that, you know, as much as this is so much fun, uh mindless fun, Christopher Landon actually gives a shit about his characters. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it becomes maybe a little overly complicated mm. whereas
1: the first film was very simple with a very simple premise. Yeah. I think this may overcomplicate it just a little bit. Mm. And there are scenes that, uh, I don't know, are trying too hard to be comedy. I'm talking about the fake, blind French accent woman. (laughs) I wasn't a massive fan of that scene. It took me out a little bit of what was going on. Because I, I, I feel
0: like the horror was lost in the sequel. Yeah, don't if, if you don't watch Expecting a Horror Film, you'll love it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a massive, massively horror, but it, it's just a good film. It's just a good film. it felt and, like
1: a teen comedy. Yeah,
0: and that's that scene I'm talking about, though, I mean, that had so much for and I think, if I remember right, forgive me if I'm wrong, Christopher Landon actually, um, his mum passed away prior to this, mm. so he wrote that scene... Because of what he'd want to say to his mum before she went. Yeah, it's and, a very hard Oh hard my scene. God, that scene, it is yeah. so powerful. It's so powerful. But thrown into Happy Death Day to You. It's it's great. It's so good. Is it getting a third one? Is it going to be a third one? Fans want it. Fans are basically, you know, protesting to get it on the internet. Oh, okay. um, I think they're trying to get in with Netflix to do oh, a third okay. film. Um, but also, the scene with... Um, Jessica Roth's character dying again and again, set to hard times by Paramore, it's cinema genius. <laughs> it is fucking great. It is so much fun to watch. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Cool. You got a lot to say about that? Cinema genius. <laughs> for for a gay guy, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love those films so much. If you haven't seen them, watch them. Just, you know, go and buy them or whatever, just watch them. 2018, Blomhouse hired Netflix's head of publications, uh, Karen Barrigan, and they were pushing more towards uh, TV streaming and online film mm-hmm. releasing. They signed an eight-picture deal with Amazon Studios. Okay. And uh, in the same year, they released Insidious, The Last Key, Truth or Dare, Upgrade, The First Purge, the actual The First Purge, and uh, Unfriended Darkware, Black Clansman*, Halloween, and Cam... Um so let's let's start at the bottom. Let's talk about True for Dare. So True for Dare
1: was just a little backstory from us. <laughs> True for Dare was the film where Gary was like, Ah, oh, Blumhouse, they do really Blumhouse
0: put- is True for Dare. The first film when they put Blumhouse in the title. Let's just make it. Okay, of that Blumhouse first. is True for
1: Dare. <laughs> so this was when me and Gary would Kind of first dating. We haven't been together too long. We've been together a year. Was it a year? Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks for remembering. Well, we'd gone to the cinema (laughs) and we'd watched some good films, hadn't we? Yeah. And this was the first real... This was the first time I'd seen Gary leave a cinema and just be so disappointed. (laughs) I saw a different side of him this day. (laughs) Because he was like, oh, Blumhouse do great films. And I, I love it. I love that. Oh, this, this has got a great premise. Yeah, should be really good. Should be really good. And then we watched it. I didn't think it was completely bottom of the barrel. But I, I was disappointed. It wasn't great. It's fucking dire. But I saw a different side of Gary that day because his face dropped. <laughs> and he was just like in a really bad mood and like, got oh the end.
0: I, I hate people making loud noises in the cinema and laughing through horror films I was holding in my laughter because of how fucking ridiculous this was the acting was abysmal so um, abysmal yeah. Jeff Wadlow he really doesn't know how to write gay characters either you got your stereotypical gay character in this film where he's, he's, he's there he's to tell his dad that he's coming out and the whole thing is that he's a big beyonce fan so that's why we know he's gay
1: (laughs) it was one of those films where if you'd read the premise and the premise is essentially it's uh people are forced to play truth or dare (laughs) with um dire consequences and they pass it on to each other when they play truth or dare it gets passed on in the game. And they get uh, snapped faces. Essentially, if you do not do Truth or Dare, then you die. Yeah. But in playing Dare, some of the dares are quite dangerous anyway. Um, they have no choice. So, that's an alright premise. That ain't a bad premise. <laughs> it like, to... could be interesting. <laughs> and then you watch the film and you think, oh no, this don't work. This doesn't work. <laughs> and I'm not sure if they could have really done anything to make it work. Because it just felt really stupid, like the the um when when they say truth or dare, some fucking stupid face filter. It looks like a Snapchat filter. It looks like a Snapchat filter, and it looks fucking stupid. And you think about it afterwards, you think actually maybe this premise just would never have worked, okay. which is why it wasn't done
0: before. Yeah, it does work. Being passed from one to being passed from one to the other, and the film's called It Follows. This. Definitely ripped off. It follows, but with truthful death to a certain degree, and also I mean, I, Ring did the same well, thing. Yeah, like, passing on the video, and, and the ending of this is the exact ending of the Ring.
1: Yeah, it,
0: it literally rips it right off. And I know it's a horror film. You meant to want to see these people get killed. Oh my God, they're unbearably obnoxious. They are. And they all talk like they're reading from dialogue that was written from an older person thinking how uh, this is how a younger person speaks. That is... cool, dude!
1: That is very much a difficulty with some of these films is that somebody very much older is writing for people very much younger.
0: This had about 11 writers. Yeah, of course it did. (laughs)
1: Uh, What I've also found is that a lot of these films are written by men who don't know how to write female characters.
0: Yeah, so this is uh, directed and partially written by Jeff Wadlow, uh, who also made Cry Wolf, which I'm told is very homophobic. I haven't seen it myself, though. Uh, Kick-Ass 2 which was a disappointment and of course Fantasy Island which we'll get to shortly. (laughs) I don't know why Blumhouse keep employing this guy and he's still got another film coming up with them where he's making a film about the Magic 8-Ball. Oh my god. God. Uh Blumhouse's Magic 8-Ball made on a $3.5 million budget it shows. Made over $95 million at the box office starring Lucy Hale Violet Bean and Tyler Poses um this was made because Wadlow pitched the idea to Jason Blum, but he didn't pitch the whole idea. He pitched the title and the opening sequence, and Jason Blum was like, I'm sold. Thanks, Jason Blum. You could have listened <laughs> to the rest <laughs> of it and realised he was about to waste your yeah. money.
1: And that's exactly what I'm saying, is that the premise sounds intriguing, but it just doesn't work.
0: just doesn't yeah. work. He used Scream as the plot template for the body count. Huh? Yeah. What does that mean? So, the body count in Scream, uh, he used that as a template for his body count in Truth or Dare. What? So, he, he's working off Scream, and we got this. What the fuck? That makes yeah. no sense. And, and it's the first. You say film, I want to kill 10
1: people in this film. Yeah.
0: And it's the first film to feature Blumhouse in the title. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, Blumhouse. They, they've seen how shit this was, dare.
0: and they continue to do it with Fancy Island. Blumhouse's... Is it Blumhouse's Fantasy Island? Yeah. Oh, shit. Taking uh, taking it from the bad to the good, Upgrade, directed by Lee Wannell, director of Insidious 3, and The Invisible Man, which we'll be talking about shortly. Made on a $5 million budget, made over $16 million, which for quite a small film, that's, that's decent. Yeah. That's decent. It didn't yeah. have a massive release. No. Um... And it stars Logan Marshall Green, Betty Gabriel. I love Betty Gabriel, she's so fucking good in everything she's in. And uh, Abby uh, Craydon. So Betty Gabriel was in Unfriended Dark Web, the first Purge. uh, I think, oh, maybe the Purge election year, actually. Um, uh, Get Out. Oh, do you
1: know When we were talking about Get Out, mm. we didn't mention her. Yeah. She is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. She, everything she's in, in she's Get Out. amazing in this. She is yeah. impeccable in Get Out. She's a very small role,
0: yeah. but she's incredible. Such a good actress. So, I mean, this this film was accused of ripping off Venom, which uh, Lee Wannell said he wasn't familiar with the source material when making this. And Venom was released in the same year with Tom Hardy, who looks exactly like Logan Marshall Green. Uh, this is a better Venom movie than Venom. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this film is fantastic. We watched this at Fright Fest, the premiere of it, and oh my god, it's so good.
1: Yeah, it's very good.
0: For Isn't a modern sci fi yeah. film, uh, I mean, it's, it's often classed as a horror film, but as a sci fi film, sci-fi. That, that for five million, that scenery and you know all, all the, the futuristic cars and everything, it looks so good. It looks like it's on a much bigger budget. Very Blade Runner esque. Um, and the plot is fantastic. Really, really good. I was getting Robocop. Robo, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was it, getting it is Robocop. Like Robocop.
1: Yeah. Um, essentially somebody who is upgraded,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> fully intended, um, to get revenge yeah. on someone. Yeah. Essentially. It, you know, it's got the gore in there, it's got great action sequences. Yeah. It's basically a sci-fi, mm. but a violent sci-fi. That's yeah. where I'm getting Robocop yeah. from as well. Um, it's fun. It's you know action packed. Yeah, it goes. It's got great pacing. It's got great um, uh, scenes. Yeah, it's got great uh, action scenes. You know, and it's quite
0: funny in parts as yeah. well. It's, it's a fun it, film. It shows off what Lee Won Il can do. Yeah, it, Insidious Prey was very much you know like you said cut and paste. Lee Won Il directed that. Uh, you know it was very much just another horror film. This really opens your eyes. Like okay. This guy's a fantastic director. Yeah. You know, so... And he can take very little and make yeah, a lot. Yeah, definitely. Which, which is what Blumhouse is about. Released in the same year is Black Klansman. Uh, made for $15 million. Made over $93 million at the box office. Directed by the fantastic Spike Lee. Based on the book by the real-life car- uh, character from the film, Ron Starworth. Uh, starring John David Washington, Adam Driver, Topher Grace, and Alec Baldwin. This film blew my mind. As we watched it. I, I had little expectations. It's so fucking good. Yeah. So, so good. Very good. Um, would you like to explain a bit about the bizarre story? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So this is based on a true story.
1: Yeah. So this is um, based on a African-American police, police officer. Yeah, yeah. Who manages to infiltrate... The uh, KKK yeah. and become a member without anybody knowing, <laughs> anyone in the KKK knowing about it. And it's
0: hilarious. Yeah. It's so funny, but at the same time, it's also thought provoking and an eye opener uh, about race issues in the same way to get get outwards. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it, yeah, Spike Lee nails it. He absolutely nails the atmosphere in this film. And again, makes it fun, even though it's a serious subject. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because it is, it is a comedy at heart. Yeah. Um Because it should be a comedy, because the the, the plot is... It's a ridiculous quite, story. It's quite a ridiculous story. It's based on a true story, um, but it, it's funny. Yeah. You know, and the KKK are pretty much clowns in this film. Mm. You know, we... <laughs> The comedy is based on the yeah. bigotry being infiltrated by yeah. an African-American yeah. man. It's incredible. It's how stupid they are. incredible.
0: And John David Washington was so good. He was very, very so, good. So, so good. Very good. Adam Driver was very yeah, good as well. yeah. well. I mean, this, again, it's another Oscar uh, winner yeah. for Blumhouse. It won uh, Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars, but it was nominated for its score, Best Picture, Director, Supporting Actor for Adam Driver, and Editing.
1: I would like to have seen Best Actor as well, actually. I, I would have I liked to. I, yeah, he definitely deserved to be up for Best Actor. It's kind of strange, and it happened for... Uh, we we watched Do the Right Thing recently, mm. which is uh, a Spike Lee masterpiece, mm. um, and the the only acting Oscar nomination for that was da- Danny Ello. I Forgive me, I have no mm. idea how to pronounce this. But he was a white actor. Yeah. And so you have this race story, Black Klansman, very well made, Mm. very good. Best picture, best director, best screenplay, nominations. And you nominate the white guy in it. Yeah. Even though... The, you know the African-American lead is just as good yeah I find I just find that I thought strange. the
0: guy who played the mayor in, uh, in Do the Right Thing should have absolutely been nominated absolutely. for absolutely he was fantastic he was the best actor in the whole film uh
1: Oz- Ozzy uh, Davis I think yeah, his name yeah. is yeah
0: he, he absolutely should have yeah. been nominated and I think
1: it's the same case with this film I just find it very strange that Adam Driver was nominated but um, please forgive me what's, what's his name uh, John David Washington John David Washington Denzel Washington son yes uh, i just find it very surprising that he wasn't nominated because he was just
0: as good or even better because he was very funny yeah very funny um it, it's strange because ron starworth actually wanted denzel washington to play him in the film ah. and he had no idea that john david washington was denzel's son so when he found out he was really over a moon yeah really happy as an actual he doesn't make a big deal of no, being denzel no. washington's son um, and in a very rare case, this film was sent to uh, the ratings boards, both in the UK and America and worldwide, uh, completely uncut, passed uncut, and, and has not a single deleted scene, which is very rare. That's very, very rare for a film to have not a single deleted scene. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So a lot of fun fact there. Moving back to horror, again, Black Clansman, watch it. I think it's on Netflix. Watch it immediately if you haven't seen it. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think enough people have seen it, despite it being nominated for an Oscar. I yeah. think it's not talked about enough. No. It's fantastic. Halloween, the time when Br- Blumhouse... Blumhouse? Blumhouse saved the Halloween franchise. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it was had been dead for quite a few years. Yeah. Uh, but it got Jamie Lee Curtis, John Carpenter back together, John Carpenter's producing and doing a score, but still, back together with David Gordon Green, a fucking comedy director written by uh, Danny McBride and Jeff Fradley. You know, th- these are people who have made comedy films prior to this, no horror films, and they've created a masterpiece of a sequel. Looks well, like Jordan Peele.
1: Yeah. When yeah. he was comedy before, the, you know, the yeah. horror. And I, I think horror, I think we're starting to realise that a lot of um, big talented names are horror fans, mm. yeah, and they kind of wanted to get into horror, but maybe couldn't because mm. there's a bit of a stigma yeah. to horror. Yeah, really, you know, but, and
0: that's the thing, you know, um, it's what makes me excited for Chris Rock's Saw from mm. Spiral. Yeah, um, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes the comedians write better horror films. Potentially. It's just yeah. I don't see nothing saying otherwise here. No. Um, this was made for ten million and made over two hundred and fifty-five million. Again, for a film with an elderly female actress in the elderly. lead. <laughs> wow, come on, she's not young, is she? No. She's not young. It's but, a bit harsh. Okay, she's in her sixties easily. 60s, yeah, 70s. Course. Yes, yeah. In the lead role as a fucking. Let's face it, action hero.
1: Yeah, badass action
0: hero. <laughs> Make it over $255 million at the box office. This is why I love Blumhouse. This is amazing. Yeah. And I'm not saying they should take all the credit for it. they released it. Yeah. I'm not saying they should take all the credit for it. The credit absolutely goes to Jamie Lee Curtis for providing the career best performance. Yes. Yeah. This film is amazing. I love it so much. Again, it's a divisive one, but, you know... I. I I don't know. I just can't see why it's I a bad think, sequel. I think
1: maybe some people wanted the first Halloween film again. Yeah. So the, the ha- first Halloween film is a exercise in subtlety. Yeah. You know, it's not until the very end. It's not very action packed. Mm. There's not that much going on. Whereas this film, there's, there's, it's really, you know, it's action packed for a lot of it. Yeah. There's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot of new characters being introduced. Yeah. The body count's much bigger. It's not particularly subtle. Yeah, Michael Myers is unstoppable. In this unstoppable. Film. And also, you know, the character of Laurie Strode mm. is a bit more. Um, a bit more. Fleshed well, out. fleshed out. Yeah. Yeah, at its heart, this is a film about PTSD. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And her coping with mm. what happened to her all those years ago. Mm. You know,
0: the the other sequels have been forgotten. They're ignored Mm. in this one. Yes, they ignore everything after the first film. They take away the whole Michael Myers is a brother thing. Yeah. And it works so much better for it. It, He was a random madman. It went round and killed people. And even as one of the characters points out in this film, it was four people. That's nothing. But it makes it clear it was something to this character. It's affected her. And created this survivor with survival instincts, uh, who who eventually has a big action showdown yeah. with Michael Myers. It's fucking great. It completely ruins her relationship with her family
1: yeah. as well.
0: And it delves into that. It, it, it doesn't shy that. away from it. No. It goes into detail. It doesn't care that it's a horror film with this family drama going on.
1: Yeah, it's it, a works. Film. it works. It yeah. works very well. It works very well, and there are some great nods to the other films and to the original. Mm. Um, Does it all work? No, there are some. Um, I, I think that the doctor character, yeah, which is common, common for so. um, But as a whole,
0: it's a great film. And Michael Myers isn't invincible. Michael Myers, like he was in all the other sequels, yeah. he's more human. Yes, he's an unstoppable killing machine, but he's still human. Yeah. You know, he still gets his fingers shot off in it, and you know, he's not invincible. I mean, even the way they, from the looks of the trailer for Halloween Kills, the way they explain the surviving isn't exactly him being part of a cult. No, no, it's not, no. <laughs> so, and yeah, there's got two upcoming sequels, Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, which are being released uh, next year and a year after. I've not gone too much into detail about this, because we will be covering the Halloween franchise as a whole next year, so we'll be going more into detail about this film then. Uh, but this one thing I will say is this is the highest grossing Halloween film uh, It in its opening weekend since the first film oh wow yeah um and uh jamie lee curtis and john carpenter both said they're very proud of it and it lives up to the original
1: yeah i think it
0: does it does in a completely different way but still does yeah yeah in 2019 we had glass happy death day to you ma bloodline the gallows act two and black christmas so ma Again, I think this is a guilty pleasure for us. We both really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, made on a $5 million budget. Uh, made over $61 million at the box office. Directed by Tate Taylor. Written by Scotty Lands, And starring Octavia Spencer and Juliet Lewis and Alison Janney. Alison Janney was in it? She was. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, this was originally written for a white actress in the lead role. Um, but then... Octavia Spencer came forward and said, no, I want to do this. And then rewrote it for an African-American actress in the lead. Again, a lead female African-American cast member, you know, as a villain in a horror film. Yeah. It's unheard of. Yeah. Uh,
1: and I love Octavia Spencer. Oh, she was so good And it there. shows that she can do both sides. Yeah. Because she does tend to play very lovable, likeable yeah. characters. Yeah. Or comedy roles, um, she. I think she's great, and she, she's one of these actresses that I'm so glad has managed mm. to make a real good career. Yeah. Because y- you watch old episodes TV shows, and and you're like, that's Octavia Spencer, yeah. and she's on for like a minute, and mm-hmm. then she's gone. And I'm I'm really really happy for her because she is a fantastic actress doing comedy drama horror she she can do it all
0: yeah yeah and it's very much like Sleepaway Camp Three in the way that we're rooting for her even
1: like though she's the villain we are a little bit yeah
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if that's one
1: well I think that's what they were going for but we are rooting for her <laughs> but yeah it, it,
0: I I'd recommend it anyway um, Bloodline also released in the same year. Made on a $12 million budget. Only made $36,725, but it was very limited in its release. Um, directed by Henry Jacobson and starring Sean William Scott. It's alright. Yeah, I, I thought I'd give this a mention because I think it's is another film that more people need to see. It's very Brian De Palma-esque. Um, it's got some great gore moments in it. Um, I, I thought it was a really good film. Really good film, so stand out for me. A bit forgettable,
1: if I'm being honest. Um, I'm struggling to remember, (laughs) and what Sean William Scott was a slasher. We watched it within the last year. I still find it a bit forgettable. If I'm being some good
0: twists in it, I'd recommend it. But moving on to something, we've got a little more to say about Black Christmas. (sighs) Reading the trivia for this film made me angry. (sighs) Made me so fucking angry. This is a remake, of course, the second remake of Black Christmas. uh, Made on a five million dollar budget. I don't know where the fuck that went. It grossed 18.5 million at a box office, somehow. Written and directed by Sophia Tikal. Co written by April Wolf. Starring Imogen Poots and Kerry Owls. Now, I'll start off with what made me angry in regards to Blumhouse. This is the first film released by Blumhouse with a female director. How many years did it take? 28? They formed in 2000. Started releasing big films 2009. Technically, it took them 19 years to hire a female director, and that's not okay. No. That's really not okay. It's not. There's not a shortage. There's no. not a shortage. No. And we, as we've said in this
1: podcast, some of the female characters have been quite poorly written, or it's very obvious these characters have been written by men. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it,
0: it this should have happened a lot sooner. Yeah. And do you know what was written by a woman? Hush.
1: Look at female representation in that film. How great that
0: is! Yeah, (sighs) but that's not the only problem with this film. So it's PG thirteen. Okay, you don't need to show gore in a black Christmas film. That's fine. That's fine. The original hardly had any. Yeah, and it was effective. Yeah, this is barely a horror film. Uh, The trailer shows the entire film. No exaggeration. We were very when we first spoilers in that trailer.
1: Yeah, when we first watched the trailer. And it just kept going and kept going, and we we looked at each other and we said, surely, it's got surely to that's not the whole film. I, I think it's going to be a misleading trailer. You know, mm. deliberately
0: misleading. Nope, showed sure, the whole. The entire. Film, we knew exactly what was coming. So this was made as a feminist movie. Great. Yeah, we we we. You know, wasn't wrong with a feminist movie. We need more of them, but done right. This isn't done right. No. This fucking screams feminist in your face. Uh, It's it's not even done in a good way either. There's a dance routine in this film and it was a derogatory reference to Mean Girls because the director thinks Mean Girls is misogynistic. There is a glass unicorn used in this film uh, as a weapon and that is used as a derogatory reference to Deadpool because the director believes it is misogynistic. The director also believes the ending of the original Black Christmas is misogynistic. She also wanted to remake I Spit on Your Grave, but Blumhouse told her she's not doing it because she hadn't watched the original. Because she thought I Spit on Your Grave was misogynistic. That's the only film she didn't say it about. I oh, thought really? that is probably <laughs> very misogynistic. That one is misogynistic. Bitch, you can't go around calling every film misogynistic and then. Create a film that just, oh god, it's just so bad. I'm all for, you know us, you listen to our episodes, I'm all for feminist films. I really am. You know, we're, I mean, I'll say we're feminists. Of, of yeah, absolutely. Of course we are. Yeah. This is just not done right. I mean, any,
1: any normal person is a feminist. Yeah. Yes! Yes! Yeah, absolutely. You know, because feminism is, to my and I, I, really don't think I'm mansplaining here. It's this is just how I see yeah. feminism from what I've seen in films and and culture, is that feminism uh, equality between mm. the sexes. Yeah, you know it's about about being on an e- mm. even playing field and about having the opportunities. Yes. Yeah. So a film like this should have been made. Yeah, it should have been made. But it was just... They just did it all wrong. Yeah. It just felt like, you know, making fun of the Mean Girls, mm. which was a film written by a woman. Yeah. Felt quite mean-spirited. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the song itself... Oh, it's horrible. It was a song about... Um, date, rape. Ra- a song date was song about rape. rape yeah. Date rape. And I understood the message, but it just came across quite... Um, cringy. Yeah, they put the horror to the back, and the whole film was just men of trash. Yeah, constantly. It, it was, and and there's not a single male character That's in likeable. this film no. who's not a piece of shit. No, which just doesn't work. You have to have, you know, um, it. It's difficult. It's difficult because I'm not a woman, and I, I don't. Obviously, I don't understand being in a woman's shoes and watching a film mm. like this. Um, but it just came across very um, aggressive. Yeah, it was so Aggressively aggressive. anti-men.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not sure if that... And that's not something we'd usually say, because that's something normally a lot of male audience uh, members will jump to If a film is released with power. Look at Hustlers. Look at Hustlers, the reaction that got because it was empowering. That's a feminist film. That's a feminist film. But this, if people would say that about Black Christmas, they're absolutely right. It it really is anti men. It is, and it it's all the themes
1: are dealt with so haphazardly, and it's just it came across very aggressive Mm. and it didn't make for a fun film. No. I'm not sure if Black Christmas was really the right film to choose.
0: No to do this with. But it had no connections to the original. It didn't. Nothing.
1: Have any. Absolutely
0: nothing. You wouldn't know this is a Black Christmas remake no. if you
1: didn't see the title. It shouldn't have it shouldn't have bore the title Black Christmas. It, it it's it's a difficult one because I I approve the overall message mm. but I don't approve the delivery because it kind of made me hate everyone in this film. I ended up just hating everyone, and not really caring about what happened. Mm. The the, the feminist thing aside, it also wasn't a fun film to watch. It wasn't very well made. It, It wasn't very
0: well written. There's a scene where a character says, hey guys, let's play my favorite game, Top Five Animals, an actual line of dialogue from a film with grown adults. And that was so haphazardly used to
1: become some sort of thing in in by the end of the film, wasn't it? Mm. Um, that it just it felt very jarring and mm. out of place because it was only there to have a connection to yeah. some part in the end of the film. It
0: it it was very disappointing.
1: Very disappointing. Mm
0: yeah Blumhouse Black Christmas female director should have been amazing it should yeah. have been it should have it been, been, been a dire. lot better than it was it is the worst Blumhouse film by it's far. it's the, the
1: the message that it's giving has been done much better yeah within horror films
0: it's been done much better this year with The Invisible Man um so 2020 we're all up to date now this year we've had Fantasy Island The Invisible Man The Hunt You Should Have Left and The Visual uh, so let's start off with the bad, and then we'll go to the medium, and then we'll go to the great. So, uh, Fantasy Island. It's made on seven million because it is a adaptation of the seventies TV show. Made over forty seven million despite coronavirus troubles.
1: Why did they think that Fantasy Island was the, the film
0: to ch- uh, the the TV show to choose? Because you know what, this could have been great. Was Love Boat not this, available? This this could have been good. Fantasy Island as a horror film. Yeah. Again it's a good pitch mm. Again directed by Jeff Wadlow mm. Starring Michael Pena uh, Maggie Q Lucy Hale And Michael Rucker Oh my god Michael Rucker was, was in this Jason Blum wanted Nick Cage for the role Of Mr Rourke oh. But he didn't want To take the role As you can see why I'm sorry this Nicholas Cage fucking, turned down The role uh, He did Yeah That's how bad This film is Oh my is. god We were the only people In the cinema when we Watched this <laughs> we were And it was fucking We can dire. blame Coronavirus a little For that yeah. Um, yeah but then we watched
1: The Hunt straight away after and that was more busy yeah it? well The Hunt's a
0: better film more busy um, my
1: apologies busier
0: yeah this is this is just dire Fancy island again the same critiques as uh, Truth or Dare very badly written um, they try introducing the twist at the end that people are meant to be excited about that it's just bullshit uh, and again very badly written gay characters no one's likeable in this no one's like again it's fucking awful there's a natural line of dialogue from this film. Is someone saying, "Let's play Call of Duty before going to live out their war fantasy"? Because his fantasy is to be at war, because his dad died at war or some bullshit like that. I yeah, don't, it's just awful. I don't it's fucking Call
1: of Duty. Awful.
0: Um, yeah, it, for me,
1: it was just very bland. Yeah, very boring. Um, there was no real life to it. No, no character was fully interesting. Um, very cliched. I can feel like I say that a lot, um, but also th- th- like the twist. Mm. Who eventually became the antagonist yeah. was just eh,
0: don't care. Don't care. Bullshit. Um, but then, a film that's better, we had The Hunt, which is made on a $40 million budget and made over $10 million. Is that
1: Blumhouse as well? It's Blumhouse
0: as well, directed oh. by Craig Zabell, starring Betty Gilpin, Hilary Swank and Emma Roberts. Uh, this was placed on digital uh, release a week after... Uh, being released at cinemas because of coronavirus. I think that's why it didn't make as much it's money. It's quite controversial film. Very controversial wow. film. This was originally pulled from release in 2019 uh, because of mass shootings in America. And Donald Trump wasn't happy about the release of this film hmm. um, for its perceived targeting of red state voters and its depiction of uh, liberal elites. So... This film made Donald Trump angry. Do you need more of a reason to love it? Yeah. And also, as Donald Trump does,
1: he didn't actually do any research into it. No. Clearly no. didn't <laughs> Clearly didn't watch the film and gave his fucking stupid opinion on it. Yeah. Because this film is actually quite um, open. Yeah, it leaves it. It doesn't quite take sides. open. It doesn't necessarily because, you know, there's my pen. excuse me maybe <laughs> jump then the liberal elite actually aren't the good guys we're not no. meant. there there is really no good no
0: guy.
1: no the the person that our final girl mm. uh, our kick-ass lady um it's never actually revealed who she
0: voted no. for. no no um so we don't know it's left very open yeah. Fantastic film. I, I really enjoyed it. It's so much better than it had any right to be. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah. it could have been... For, for a film with release problems, it could have been bad. <clears throat> New Mutants. Um, <laughs> but, th- no, this is really good. Really good. It's a tried and tested... Betty Gilpin was fantastic, weren't she? She was.
1: Very good. Very good. It's a tried and tested formula. Yeah. Battle Royale, you know, Uh. Turkey Shoot, all these films yeah. about people being hunted. You know, it, it, it brought something... little bit new
0: to it and you know made it fun so yeah on to our final film our final segment for blumhouse modern masterpiece maz hates it the invisible man (laughs) it's made on a seven million dollar budget grossed over 130 million despite the coronavirus uh putting it on digital release not long after it's released at cinema uh written and directed by lee Wonow. Starring Elizabeth Moss, Aldis Modge and Storm Reid. Yeah, this is a feminist film. Done to perfection.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's called The Invisible Man, but it's got fuck all to do with The Invisible Man. Yeah. He is such a secondary character. This is
0: one of the best remakes I've ever seen because it takes the source material from the novel, from the original film, but does its own thing. Yeah, and makes a very modern take on it. Um, Again,
1: horror allows fantasy, Mm -hmm. you know, um, but it still feels very real. Yeah. And I I have to say, Elizabeth Moss is one of the best actresses uh, around at the moment. She deserves an Oscar nomination for this. Really, really wonderful. You know, she's given great performance in everything I've seen her in. And this is a film about domestic
0: abuse. Yes, yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and you can see the Invisible Man as not just... I mean, obviously, you could just watch it as a film where she's being terrorised by her ex, but you could also look at the Invisible Man as a symbolism of the trauma from domestic abuse attacking her long after the relationship's ended. Exactly. And also the trust issues
1: yeah. Of, yeah. of people not trusting necessarily her story... Mm-hmm. Or thinking that she's just gone insane, yeah. you know, um, rather than saying, okay, let's, you know, let's tell me about it. It sounds fantastical, but okay, let's, you know, I'm here for you, rather than just being, now you're a crazy bitch, mm. you know, we're going to lock you up. Yeah. And, you know... It's always wonderful to see a strong female character because she is weak in parts, Mm -hmm. you know, understandably, but she eventually is a very strong female lead who does it herself and who's like, do you know what, I'm going to get this shit sorted. Yeah. I I love seeing that. Obviously,
0: we're we're a gay podcast... We love it. We love yeah, to see it. We do. <laughs> uh, it's, it's also, you know, a technical marvel in filmmaking um, because the camera work in this film, where it focuses on these empty spots, showing you where the Invisible Man is, mm. it's used so well. The okay. entire opening sequence as well, where she's escaping from it. Oh, my God. This is Lee wan Ho showing his ultimate, what, what he's capable of. Mm. And it makes me really excited to see what he does next. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's great. very
1: well made very well made and performed
0: and that brings us up to date uh, coming soon from Blumhouse we have Welcome to the Blumhouse an Amazon 8 film anthology uh, that's released in October this year we've got The Forever Purge Halloween Kills Halloween Ends Parallel Activity 7 Dracula Five Nights at Freddy's Spawn The Craft Wolfman directed by Lee L, The Thing and a untitled body swap horror from Christopher Landon there we go. Some of the main ones, and there's a lot coming out, but those are some of the main ones to look out for. So, again, you know, Blumhouse, I really, I love, I love Blumhouse. They do a really great job of bringing low budget films to the forefront with really positive messages uh, for the most part. And, yeah. It, it, they're, they're a massive part of modern horror cinema. For me, the highs are very high, the lows yes. are very low. Yeah. It's amazing how, how It's a mixed it is. bag
1: but I can forgive a black Christmas if you're going to give me a whiplash. Yeah, exactly.
0: I can forgive. So that is our episode on Blumhouse, and quickly before we finish, let's talk Fright Fest 2020. Oh. We haven't got enough time to discuss it we really in We haven't got depth. a lot of time. But, uh, we watched Sky Shark, off the top of my head, we watched Sky Sharks, I Am Lisa, Triggered, The Colonist, uh the horror crowd hell to the deadites blinders dark stories uh Slash, mm. don't click blind and enhanced I believe that's all of them yeah and a bunch of short films as well watch blinders watch the colonists they're both fantastic films really really blinders is like a better version of the gift. Yeah. Still mean spirited. Yeah. But it knows it's a horror film, so it doesn't have to happen. It have a happy ending. It doesn't feel exploitative either. It does it in a clever way. Yeah. And and the
1: twist is less nasty. Yeah. Um, also, watch the columnist. It's a feminist the, film.
0: Wow. Well, yeah. I'd say its I it, don't know.
1: It, it it is yes, but obviously the the woman is batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's about a, a woman who is a columnist, and she gets all these trolls online and she's had enough, she's done with their shit, and she essentially just goes and kills them. Yeah. <laughs> and cuts fingers. But it's a lot more clever and funny than that. It's and It's and a, a, a Dutch film, isn't yeah, it? We, we yeah, we see the
0: build-up of uh, the angry tweets coming in, we see her come face-to-face uh, face with someone who's in blackface, all these things really winding her up to get to this point, and then by the time it happens, you understand why she's been pushed to this point, and it's hilarious. It's a black comedy, and it, it works. Yeah.
1: But it's still, uh, you know it still doesn't say what's right or wrong. Yeah. Because obviously what she's yeah. doing is wrong, mm. but what they're doing is wrong too. Yeah. So it's morally ambiguous, yeah. which is very interesting.
0: Yeah. Fantastic performance by the lead as well. Yeah. Uh, some of the worst. We've got a few minutes. Um, blind tried to be hush and failed. Yeah. Very, uh, very disrespectful to blind people. They, they couldn't play blind. It didn't work. It no. didn't
1: work. And it was very boring. And they didn't do their research. You have this a uh, blind lead who has lick candles all over her <laughs> house. And it's laughable and it's silly, but it, it's, it's... It shouldn't stupid. be. You haven't done your research. Yeah. That wouldn't happen.
0: Don't Click is the worst film of the festival. Um, it, it tries to be... It's written and directed by a woman and it tries to say a message about uh, the, the abuse of women online, but it kind of goes against it and feels problematic yeah aqua slash uh, a film called aqua slash about a, a booby trapped water park where people get murdered only has one minute of gore
1: uh, takes a million years to get to it as well
0: and triggered has a massive homophobic plot point in it um that completely ruins the rest of the film so yeah, as you can tell from what we're saying, it wasn't a great fright fest. There's only two good films out of fifteen that we watched. It was it was disappointing. I must be honest. Yeah, go watch short film, uh, guest, and there was another one. Um, fuck me, the Jello one that I can't remember the name of. Oh, I can't remember. Do you the know name what? if if we find it, I'll post it on, the, <laughs> on the social media. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> we'd love to go more in depth, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is—a mixed bag. And much like Blumhouse, a very mixed bag. Yeah. So, thanks for listening. Uh, if you are listeners on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe. Follow on Spotify, like and follow on everything else. Again, talk to us on social media: Horrific cool Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrific cool Trash on Twitter. I'm gascruise92 on Twitter, gasmed205 on Instagram, deadactgas92 on Letterboxd. I'm Chris Barker
1: 823 on Instagram, Twitter and Letterboxd. And
0: we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye.